space, but I don't think there is. Sashi, Puki, Chukshing, Maytok, Chan, Rira, Vinshi, Ninde, Gampadi, Sange, Shingnu, Mekte, Uwargi, Jokun, Amdak, Shingla, Chuparsho, Yidam Guru Radha Mandalakam Niryatayami Sangye Chudam Suki Chaknama Jangshu Bardu Dakni Kyapsuchi Daki Jinsoki Pe Sunamki Jola Pemshir Sangye Juparsho Sangye Chudang Soki Choknama Jangchu Bardu Dakni Kyapsuchi Daki Chinyangi Pe Sunamki Jola Penshir Sangye Juparshok Sangye Chudang Soki Choknama Jangchu Bardu Dakni Kyapsuchi Daki Chenyangi Pe Sunamki Jola Penchu Sangye Juparsho Entering the realm of the physical body. And it's like you're just dropping everything else. You can visualize like your hand dropping things. Just done with that for now. It's only a few minutes staying right here. Floating your focus down your body. Pause where there's tension. Notice how simply your awareness releases tension. Brings about some relaxation. That's it, just focusing on the body. Each time the mind jumps somewhere, just 
right away releasing the thought, relaxing back into open awareness. Come to the rhythm of your breath in your lower abdomen. Your breath is probably pretty subtle. attention to whatever movement there is.
time your mind jumps off, just releasing the object, coming back to clear, focused attention on the breath at the lower belly. And then for the last few moments, get a clear, crisp, fresh state of mind right on the object of breath. And then release the object of meditation Relax your focus into the whole body and the sounds, the temperature in the room, the weight of your body on the chair and the floor. And then when you're ready, starting to move and making a dedication. June. Yeah. The year's just going by fast, and it got hot like so fast. Like one day, I think it. One day it was like raining or something, or maybe it was in the seventies for a few days. Yeah, it's crazy. It really did. Yeah. mild weather, yeah. And it like really hot and humid.
Okay, so we're on class seven of the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, Patience, Joy, and Meditation. Wednesday, June 5th. Okay, last week we finished the chapter on effort, and now we go on to meditation. This class is really cool. There's so many good topics and tips in here. Okay, so the perfection of meditation. In Tibetan, it's say samten. 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 And then there's two so there's many Tibetan words for meditation, and this one's used for the perfection of meditation. The next four classes will cover the perfections of meditation. And Master Shanti Deva says, now that you have the perfection of effort, put your mind in single-pointed concentration. And what does one-pointed or single-pointed really mean? Scripture says it means to have one-mindedness. And there are some people who are single-pointed towards getting money, or baseball players single-pointed on hitting the ball. You don't have to be a Buddhist or have any special spiritual motivation to have single-pointed focus. Master Shantideva compares the mental afflictions to a horrible monster with its mouth open and a person allowing their mind to wander, it's like they're putting their head inside the mouth of the monster. The creature's about to close its mouth and ease the mental afflictions. Our mind wandering is putting our head in the fangs of a monster that's about to kill us. So we're gonna talk about that more. There's the two kinds of meditation. Number one is preventative meditation. This is a meditation as a state of mind that you have all day long, at work, at home, etc. And this form of meditation prevents the mental afflictions from reaching us. So they don't even come up. If we don't keep our mind in a meditative state, then the mental afflictions will crush us, and eventually they'll kill us. And Master Shanti Deva is talking about meditation as a state of mind that you maintain from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep. He never talks about formal seated meditation here. He emphasizes the meditative state of mind. So we're not off the hook if we're not doing our seated meditation. There's still the 23 and a half hours of the rest of the day, or however many. And then after that, Master Shantideva goes into deep meditation and distinguishes between the two. And number one is really, really useful, so we don't get mental afflictions at all. Then number two is demolish meditation. And this is deep meditation where you're sitting on your cushion with perfect concentration which is what we need to see emptiness directly. So that meditation rips out and demolishes the very foundation of our mental afflictions. 
basically seeing things as self-existent. And there's two obstacles to reaching deep meditation. Number one is Gurpa, say Gurpa. Two is Jingwa. Jingwa. So one agitation, two is dullness. One agitation, it's thinking about lots of stuff and being attracted to desires. Where our mind's flipping around from thing to thing that we want. We're very familiar with this. This is how we live most of our life, probably. At least I do. What projects we have to do, what work we have to do, uh, what errands, what we want to buy, what we want to eat. This means, this is talking about a human chimpanzee, that your mind's jumping around like that. Just crazy. Then there's dullness, having a dull mind, like from not getting enough or getting too much sleep or eating a lot of pizza and trying to sit down and meditate. And then we're pretty much guaranteed to experience a lot of dullness. Or if we don't get trying to meditate without any sleep. Really, really hard. Meditative concentration falls in between these two obstacles, in between agitation and dullness. And it's a bright, clear, happy, focused, intelligent state of mind that we have during deep meditation. And it also makes us less susceptible to mental afflictions during the rest of our day. Um, Agitation and dullness during our day leave us susceptible. What Master Shanti Deva says is to keep your mind in this space all day, in that meditative state of mind all day. It's between thinking about too many things and being lazy or really dull, finding that balance. It's that state of mind where we're really interested in something. And then the trick is how to stay there all day, all day long, and then how we get into deep meditation. And that's really the whole theme of this chapter, is how to stay in this bright, happy, and focused state of mind. And then the conditions we need to go into deep meditation. And who doesn't want to be in a bright, happy, focused state of mind? It just sounds great all day. <laughs> So during the day, this keeps us away from getting angry or jealous if we haven't had enough sleep, if we're overworking, if we ate too much, we're setting ourselves up for those things to get mental afflictions. It's like we're inviting them in. And so this we have to maintain all day, that state of mind. And we, uh, probably we, we do this. We overwork. We have too many projects. We're jumping around from maybe app to app on our phone, text messages, email, internet, whatever we're jumping between. And if we keep doing that, we'll have a mental affliction within a few minutes. It'll just come. And then after that, after Master Shanti Deva talks about the state of mind during the day, he gets into using deep states of meditation. So we'll talk about that too. And how does a deep state of meditation relate to mental afflictions? 
we have to get into a deep state of meditation to see emptiness directly, which is when we'll destroy the basis of the mental afflictions. And again, these two types of meditation that we talked about on the last slide. The first kind, preventing mental afflictions. The other kind, in the deep state of meditation, will just rip out the foundation of the mental affliction and destroy it completely. So we're ripping out the foundation and at the same time not planting any new seeds. And in that case, no more mental afflictions. Where are they coming from? We're not doing any new ones. We're ripping out all the old ones. Covers it all. And the, the point is that we need both of them. And these are the two themes in this chapter. Master Shanti Deva says, if you can wenpa, say wenpa, wenpa, um, which is isolation. In order to avoid distraction, we have to achieve isolation from physical and mental distractions. Physically, we're going to have to go on meditation retreats to an isolated place. Exit the world completely. And this and that one is more for the deep meditation. For the other one, the daily meditation throughout the day, we need to be in the office or other everyday life. The physically isolating ourselves In one way, for the, the all-day-long meditation, we're going to isolate ourselves from social environments that ruin our meditation. And that means we're not going to hang out with people who are, ruin, who are ruining our meditative state of mind. And they're going to be our friends who come over and talk uselessly for two to three hours. Um, and this doesn't mean that we're not friendly or compassionate or that we can't go out socially, but we don't go into a situation that's gonna ruin our meditation. And for all these practices, it's not, it's not like all or nothing. I think it's a good practice to just try it out and see. What is it like for a week if I don't do anything that's gonna ruin my meditative state of mind? What does that feel like? How does that work? and then see how it goes. Maybe it feels re really great. Maybe it doesn't. Now, is he saying you should cut out these people? Let's see. Basically. <laughs> Talking to someone. I mean, people at work and you know, maybe family members and that sort of thing who you're going to see, you can't really cut them out, but you, you could limit interaction. Mm -hmm. which will just go on and won't, I barely 
really say anything. <laughs> what is it? Um, like, what does it feel like? How does it? How do you feel after? Sometimes I feel good if I was able to talk, work through something. Yeah. But then I feel like I'm just here to listen to her. Like she, I don't think she. Anytime I talk, she'll like start to talk over me. And my mom does the same thing. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> it's like is my voice not loud enough that you can't hear that I'm about to say something that you just feel need but then she likes the French will just be like but 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 and then she like to keep her sentence going <laughs> so that I can and I'm like oh my god okay forget it forget it <laughs> I think it kind of depends like I don't know if you feel, do you feel like you're helping her or is it helpful to you or does it just feel detrimental and like it's ruining, it would be ruining your state of mind? I mean, it might not be one or the other, but maybe pay attention to it next time and like purposely when she calls or when you call her and say, okay, I'm going to watch what I feel like during this and what happens after. And then maybe try, like after you talk on the phone, try meditating, see what happens. <laughs> or you're, or you know, like you're throughout the day meditation, what does the mind feel like? Can you be like bright and focused and happy? Maybe you can, but maybe you can't. And then maybe you just like, you can be friendly still, but maybe when you talk, you just uh, say, you know, I have a half hour to, ch to chat, or, you know, like, you could limit it. Yeah. I know, because I don't know, you know, I don't know for sure. It's hard to say. But he also is talking about Mental isolation, you have to be able to withdraw from the things going on around you and concentrate to back off of all the distractions in your own mind, too. So you have to be able to go to the core of your mind and concentrate, even with busyness around you. So that's kind of a different practice. Which we can do all of these practices. We have the... I think that's what he's referring to. Just on like a clear, focused, balanced state of mind. Or it could be concentrating on whatever you're doing too. 
Well, okay, now there's the causes of destruction. These are the causes that ruin our meditation. And Master Shanti Deva divides them into inner and outer causes. So this one's kind of long. <laughs> yeah. So say dak dung. Dak gear. Shempala tene. Nang Semchen La Chakpa. Okay. This is the inner causes. Basically, you get attached from internal causes due to the belief in a self existent me and mind. Me and mine. Sorry. So these, this is what ruins meditation. This is the inner cause. And this ignorant attachment is the basic cause of our distraction or our inability to concentrate. This attachment ruins your meditation. Attachment to me is some kind of attachment to the world. He's talking about the source of attachment to ourselves. And we can't focus inwardly or attain isolation until we can withdraw from the belief in some self-existent me and mine. Until we can release our mind from ideas of food, sex, our concept of self, we're, we have to be able to withdraw our mind from these or we won't be able to meditate. And we can do it, we just have to practice. We just have to decide we're gonna do it too. We'll need to withdraw from the world on retreat for at least several weeks of meditation in order to see that me and mine are not some self-existent thing. Is there a me that exists that isn't dependent on my karma and projections? Is there a me that exists that isn't dependent on my karma and projections? Yeah, no, there isn't. But as long as I think there is one, my meditation will be ruined. So the idea of mine is like my hand, my arm, my looks, my strength, my health, all of those things. And so we have to avoid attachment. Um, which meditation will help to destroy that. So we have to avoid attachment to me and mine. Me and mine, I keep saying mind. Which meditation will help destroy the attachment to me? The office or retreat meditation? What do you think? Like to the idea of me as self-existent. 
It's the retreat meditation one that'll destroy that one. And it takes about two weeks to get near to that state of meditation. So we have to have enough time in, in retreat. And we have to have that meditation if we want to hurt that kind of attachment. And it should be a goal for us that at a certain point, we're doing a month of retreat a year. You know, like two, two months at, at different times. So two a year, each a month long. And this should be part of our spiritual goals to reach this point. And we'll just have to adjust the other part of our life to be organized around that. And we can, and we can do it. Have you, have you gone to the mountains? Mm-mm. <laughs> I know right now I'm like, how, how can I get away? I know. It does. It sounds, it does sound long. I know. I think just starting with the intention and wanting to, things will organize themselves in the way where you can. I think that's how it works. Now, the other type of attachment that ruins our meditation is an outside cause. So say, Chi Nyepa, Dang Kirti, Siksu Chepa. Sokla la sepa. Okay. This is basically we're attached to material wealth, the opinions of others, praise from other people, etc. Clothes, house, food, car, career. Not that it's bad to have these, but to use them wisely. They can be very useful. His Holiness the Dalai Lama was the richest man in Tibet. And he used his wealth very well. But to waste our life running after these things and thinking they're self-existent is insane. And mostly, most, most people are doing that. It seems that way. So don't waste your life struggling after a title so others will be jealous. Something that you're going to lose anyways. Being overly concerned with getting famous or other people's praise is a way to ruin your meditation. And so if we want to ruin our meditation, then we should get distracted by wanting money, fame, approval of other people. You know, the basic things that we want all the time. <laughs> really. <laughs> Isn't he so cute? <laughs> the meditating sloth. <laughs> um... So now Master Shantideva goes into meditation and wisdom. Good, okay. Um, say shine. Shine. And in Sanskrit, it's shamata. And that's meditative quietude. And this is a state of mental, mental peace between agitation and dullness. So between being really hyper and being really groggy or dull. Somewhere between there. That's the deepest state of meditation that you can reach. And a lot of times it's translated as calm abiding, which Geshe Michael says is a really crap, 
crappy translation. It's not that. Quietude is good. It's a good translation. It's a state of being between hyper and dull. And that single-pointedness, it's that single-pointedness which is infused with the extraordinary bliss of practiced ease due to deep single-pointed concentration on its object. And all of these, these are really pleasurable, pleasurable too. All of these things we're talking about, they're only going to bring us happiness. And we're just struggling against them. You know, like, we just don't want to do them. And they're the things that are really going to get us to the happiness that we want. So it's kind of tragic in that way. The second wisdom, say, laktong. Laktong. And then in Sanskrit, it's, um, I believe the correct pronunciation is Vipassana. Um, but you'll hear a lot of people pronounce it Vipassana or Vipassana or something like that. You know, it's like, it's all the same thing. And this is the wisdom that perceives emptiness directly. That wisdom which is infused with the extraordinary bliss of practiced ease by the power of analysis of its object, all based upon a foundation of quietude, or shamatha. So you have to have shamatha and vipassana. You have to combine those two to see emptiness directly. You have to do both. The only important value of deep meditation, or shamatha, that first one, is to serve as a basis for seeing emptiness directly which can stop our, stop our suffering forever. In and of itself, um, I think we'll talk about this a little later, actually. That's the purpose of meditation. <coughs> it's not to be calm, and that's why calm abiding is a, a bad translation. We shouldn't, and it makes sense, we shouldn't be calm when our life is heading, heading to death and there's suffering all around us. It just doesn't make sense. And if that's the purpose, to be calm of meditation, then who cares, you know? It's the day that you see emptiness directly, you don't have any major problems anymore. None. It would just, it would just be so amazing. Being calm is not a Buddhist goal at all. Giving, being ethical, refraining from anger, joyous effort and concentration result in wisdom. These are the goals of Buddhism and they result in paradise. And there's a lot of misinformation about shamatha and vipassana. And we're not going over this to criticize the groups who call vipassana meditation. Like that's the term they'll use for just general meditation. It's just that we should know the classical meaning of it so we can achieve our own goals. And we know what's meant by it. It doesn't mean um, that we have to correct people or anything like that. It's just we know. If it's going to help them, we can, but usually it doesn't. Okay, so these are the full definitions. For shamatha, it's kind of long. Serangi mikpala. Serangi mikpala. Sechitu. Sechitu. 
Nyam Parshak. Nyam Tobki Shin. Tobki Shin. Janki Dewa. Janki Dewa. Kepar Chengi. Kepar Chengi. Sinpe Tinginzen. Okay, and this means, this is the definition, that single-mindedness which is imbued with the exceptional bliss of practiced ease due to deep, single-pointed meditation on its object. That's the technical definition of shamatha. Okay, so basically it's single-pointed focus. That's what shamatha is. I mean, it's, it's used a little bit differently, like there's a state of shamatha that you achieve, but also in general you can say, I'm doing a shamatha meditation, mm -hmm. which you're meaning single point of focus. doesn't mean that I've achieved shamatha, mm -hmm. which is a really high state of meditation, but that's just a style of meditation I'm doing too. If we're visualizing single-pointedly a Buddha or something like that, an object of the mind, not the sense objects, we wouldn't be looking at the objects, we would be visualizing. And I think he brings this up because there are countries where you stare at something and that's considered the meditation. And Jason Kappa is very adamant that this isn't what is meant by this. You may look at an object to get it in your mind, but you aren't staring at the object for the meditation. You're not staring at the bowl or the candle. That's not the point of it. And Xinjiang, it's in the second line up there, um, is like when you're a dancer and you practice the same steps over and over. If you're a good meditator, you keep focusing on the same object over and over and you get really good at it. And you go deeper and deeper and you have um, different experiences of it. And then it also implies, Xinjiang does, a control over your body and mind. At a certain point, we sit down and we say, I'm gonna stay here for two hours, two full hours, body and mind stay and listen completely for the full two hours. No problem. And then Dewa Kipa Chen, that second line, is when you get a rush or a really good feeling. When you get really good at meditating, you physically and mentally feel great. Once we reach that point in our meditation, we get a really pleasant feeling of body and mind. And that's why we had to make, there had to be the bodhisattva vow to not consider that as a high personal achievement. That's not the goal to feel good in our body and mind. It doesn't matter if we feel good and then we still get old and die. The point isn't just to feel good. It's a, a pleasant side effect, but not the goal. And a lot of Buddhist schools, according to Geshe Michael, seem like they get distracted by that. It's not the goal at all. You feel great and say that's nice, awesome, great, I feel good, 
and I'm continuing on. I'm not stopping here. I know I have to get somewhere else. Sinpei means that it permeates your being all the time. Tingen Zen is one-pointedness. I love, I like that word, Tingen Zen. Um, okay, we'll go a few more minutes. We'll go over Vipassana, or Vipassana, and then we'll take a break. Oh yeah, it's not that much. Um, okay, so Vipassana, say Rangi Ten. Rangi Ten. Shine La. Shine La. Ten Ne Rang. Ten Ne Rang. Gi Mikpa La. So sor chi. So sor chi. Tob ki shin. Tob ki shin. Jang ki dewa. Jang ki dewa. Kepar chen ki. Kepar chen ji. Sin pei shirap. Sin pei shirap. And the translation of this one, that wisdom which is full of exceptional bliss, of practiced ease, by power of the analysis of its object, and which is founded upon quietude, which is what? What's quietude? What's it referring to? It's the other one up there. Oh, It's referring to shamatha, which is what? Mm-hmm. Yep, single point of meditation. So it's the wisdom that's founded upon single point of meditation. So as you have that single point of focus, then you do analytical meditation on top of that. And in the West, it's become something different, meaning different kinds of meditation. And you'll see sometimes it's something quite different. And I've had lots of conversations with people where they say they've done a Vipassana retreat. And I don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I try to ask them, but it never seems to like translate very well. Like, is that, um, does that just mean a meditation retreat? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's being used to mean? Yeah. So it is, it's kind of confusing. I think mostly that's what it means in the West. That's how people have changed it. Not even analytical, just as like a phrase uh, to mean overarching meditation. Just refers to meditation. Yeah. So it's not the wisdom. Yeah, and that's not what it means. As we mentioned, we have to get shamatha first. We have to have the ability to meditate very deeply. And then based on that, later we get the wisdom to see emptiness directly. It's very important that we have that foundation. That's what's going to allow us to see emptiness directly at a certain point. In fixed meditation, it'd be a picture of the Buddha in our mind or a spiritual problem we're trying to solve, or a series of steps that we take our mind through. 
the outline of the Lam Rim or something like that. For meditating on emptiness, we go through four different modes of examining the true nature of the object. There's all different emptiness meditations. And then Xinjiang, which is in um, the previous definition, in the second line, that pleasant state of being very in control of your body and mind because you've practiced meditation over and over and you can sit for two hours. Your body sits and stays, your mind stays for two hours. When we have to build up to that, anybody can do it. <coughs> you know, pretty much with a healthy mind. Anyone can do it if we build up gradually. But if we go and try to sit for two hours on the first day, it's not going to happen. But if we build up slowly and gradually, no problem. It'll just come on its own. And what else are we doing that's so important, really? We're not doing anything that's that important. We might as well work up to this. And even if we're not completely sure it works, because we can't be completely sure until we get there, things will start to change. And there's, there's not anything better we're doing with our time anyways. We might as well see what this leads to. And any other way than building up slowly is never going to work. A really good effort every three days, it won't work. We have to build up slowly every single day. And we just start with five minutes. And then we go to six and then seven. And then in no time at all, we're at two hours. So we just have to start somewhere and keep going. It doesn't have to be long. It's whatever is good for us right now. And then we push ourselves a little at a certain point when it's right. What Vipassana does, or Vipassana, Vipassana, it analyzes an object, and it must be based on emptiness. And then there's a specific state of mind we have to reach to see emptiness directly, and we'll talk about that after we take a break. Did that? Oh, you didn't get water. I was wondering if that hot water is working. Oh, I should turn this off.